0: The text uh, coming from Matthew, I'll be uh, taking my text from the theme uh, scripture. I'll also be pulling in another verse um, in this text, starting at verse number 13, uh, Matthew 5, 13 through 16. Reading from the New King James Version today. The Bible says, you are the salt of the earth. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. So as you prepare to take your seats today, if you'd help me introduce my title for this afternoon sermonic uh, thoughts by simply saying, You are, you are. So, be. so be. You are, you are. so be. I want to ease into this introduction by informing some that your creation is not a coincidence, that your presence on this planet has purpose. You you were built for purpose, you were called to a purpose, and you were empowered to carry out that purpose. Because as one great leader frequently says, great men and women are born at the time they are needed the most. And so if you are alive at this time, it is because it is your time. Your creator created you because he knew that there was a contribution that you needed to make in the earth. So so he customized you in creation with the personality, with the temperament, with the natural abilities, with the tendencies, with the gifts. And yes, even with the attitude you needed, to accomplish the assignment that he sent you into the earth to accomplish. If you believe that already, say yes. Yes. And I believe the scripture communicates clearly that the call of of the Christian, the the result of spiritual formation of discipleship, is that you have an altering impact on the world to change the world. This was God's mission revealed in John 3.16 for God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son. And whosoever believes in him will not perish, but will have everlasting life. So the presence and activity of God in the world emanates from God's love for the world. And Jesus was the manifestation of that love to change the world. So tuning into the time of our text, we find... Jesus on the northwestern shores of the Sea of Galilee. The Bible tells us that after Jesus ministers to the needs of the multitudes, he breaks away with his disciples to share the Beatitudes, forming the the beginning of what has come to be known as the Sermon on the Mount. Having told them through the Beatitudes, Jesus now tells them how they need to function in their identity that has been established through Jesus Christ and for for all of us who seek to do the will and work of god although we know that there is an eternal destination there is still an impact assignment we must accomplish while we are here and the way matthew talks about the impact we are expected to make in the world is through this analogy of christians being the salt of the earth and christians being the light of the world verse 13 it says you are the salt of the earth But if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. We are called to live out our identity in the world through our witness. Here in verse 13, Jesus speaks of the maintenance effect of our witness. It's here in the text that Jesus seeks to suggest that the life and the witness of the believer should serve as an influence upon the world. And often when we think about a witness, we reflect on what a witness does or where a witness goes. But this afternoon, I would like to shine a light on what a witness is. The book of Acts chapter 1, verse number 8 records, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And to the average believer, this means that we should go out witnessing to others about the Lord. The verb idea, witness doing something, rather than the noun idea, witness being something, is usually stressed. Consequently, the verse is conceptualized as this way ye shall witness unto me. And this is not what the Lord actually said. He declared ye shall be my witnesses. The emphasis is not upon witnessing, but upon being a witness. We do because of what we are, because a person who is a faithful witness will certainly witness. He or she will draw attention to the Lord by life and by lips. Because it's our witness that, and our work that ought to make the world a more palatable place for living. When we function as the salt of the earth, our presence ought to add some distinct flavor to life on this earth. There ought to be something about us, something in us that can shift the atmosphere. When you enter the situation, when you enter the room, there ought to be a shifting that takes place. When when you enter the conversation, when you enter the room, there ought to be a new flavor on the conversation once you engage the conversation something ought to be in us that brings flavor to that which is dead. Salt doesn't need permission to be salty. It just is that way. It doesn't spend time drawing attention to be salty. It just is. Salt brings flavor. But not only are we called to flavor, but we're also called to preserve. Everybody say we've been called to preserve. Well, what is it that we ought to be preserving, Terry? Well, well, that's a great question, and I'm so very glad that you asked. You, You see, as believers, as the body of Christ, we're called to preserve God's truth in the midst of a decaying world. We are called to preserve society from the stain of sin. In the midst of the erosion of hope and peace, in the midst of a divided and combative culture, we are called to be salt. We could season the minds of men and women with wisdom and grace, adding proper texture and flavor to this thing that we call life. Yeah. And you might, be not, you might not be seeing our classification as salt or might not understand the science behind salt. But I discovered that salt inhibits bacterial growth and that any cell will die, including bacteria, with too much exposure to salt. And so what I'm simply attempting to communicate is is that if we as Christians begin operating as the salt that God has called us to be, here on earth, we could cripple the spoilage of society. Did you know that 85% of the salt in the human body is found in the blood? And a major function of the blood in the body is to facilitate cleansing and bring nourishment and life to the system. And just as the blood in the human body carries life, the blood of Jesus also brings life to the body of Christ. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. It was the blood of Jesus that washed my sin stained soul. Through his shed blood, we are redeemed and made whole. Put your hands together if you are thankful for the powerful, wonder-working, redemptive blood of Jesus. Years ago, years ago, Lay's Potato Chips ran a television campaign ad that boldly stated that no one can eat just one of their famous chips. Because I don't know about you, and maybe it's just me, but Chips and I have a fond relationship. Wait, let me say that again. Chips and I have a very fond relationship. I mean, in some small circles, I'm actually considered a chip connoisseur. I mean, I took that out of the bio because I didn't think it was relevant, but but I I feel like most can agree that there really is something special about a good, salty snack. So the import that I drew from this analogy is that as Christians, we should be salty like a Lay's potato chip. Salt creates thirst, which when satisfied sustains life, but, but the one thing about thirst is that it carries no sign it does not announce itself. You can't tell who is thirsty because it is an inner craving or an inner need. John chapter 4 communicates a story about Jesus's conversation with a Samaritan woman who is extremely thirsty when she arrives at the well of Jacob where Jesus is sitting. We learn that she is unable to satisfy her deep thirst despite going through five men and currently being involved with the sixth. The symptoms of a thirsting soul will make you go from person after person to feel the emptiness. There was no one who could satisfy the Samaritan woman's thirst until she met Jesus, who offers her water from his well and quenches her thirst. Nothing else in the world will satisfy the ravenous craving thirst of people other than the water offered through Christ. The principle is that believers by their walk and their words help create a spiritual thirst in the lives of those around them for the reality and the truth of God. When people get around us, they should naturally get thirsty. Our lives ought to produce an irresistible spiritual flavor that when people experience it, they want to know more about it. In other words, we should be making people thirsty for Jesus and the rescuing love that he offers to all. But this salt can't produce a spiritual thirst in what it doesn't touch. Salt cannot change food unless it gets in it. And God is trying to sprinkle you and sprinkle me into some places that won't change unless you get in it. See, our our churches are nothing more than salt shakers, but unless the salt is shaken out of the shaker, it can't preserve or add flavor to the things that are outside. But some salt is only comfortable in the salt shaker. And the Bible says, If you're only comfortable in the salt shaker, he said you are good for nothing. I didn't say that the word did. The word did. The text says that we should be the salt of the earth and not the salt of the church building. Your salt, the place for your purpose, is not just for the church building. And just to be clear, I'm not saying that the church is unimportant, you need the church. You should serve the church. I love the church. I'm a leader in the church. However, church is what God uses to make us, but it is not what you were made for. You are part of the church. God says the role of the church is so that you can get equipped and comforted and nurtured and refueled and repaired to to help us make us into what God has called us to be. But he needs you to know that you were made for more than the church building. Let me say it like this Your your assignment, your appointment, and your anointing were made for more than the church building God has commissioned us to make a life-altering impact on culture to be the salt of the earth but in order for us to do this it's important that you take your anointing with you The anointing is the appointing, authorizing, and empowering presence of the Holy Spirit this is what actually equipped and enabled jesus to engage in world changing ministry it's also important to understand that the anointing isn't gift development it's not skill enhancement the anointing is actually only seen in impact some people confuse gift with anointing see the evidence of the anointing is the impact that is made when the anointing is at work You see, when the gift works, you work. When the anointing works, God works. It means that while you are working your gift, God is at work with your gift. So your gift is talking, but the Spirit of God is moving, empowering, and enabling your words to be more persuasive, to have a deeper impact, to penetrate the hearts of men and women in ways that normal oratory skills could not accomplish. So this is why you are too significant to reduce the impact that you have been called and created to make to the four walls of a space. I want to just focus your attention for a moment to the location of this Sermon on the Mount. Undoubtedly, the greatest sermon ever preached. It's not in a church. It's not in a temple. It's not in a house or a structure of any kind. But it's outside. In the open on a mountainside and if you close your eyes it's not hard to imagine Jesus gesturing with his arms in the great expanse as he preaches these verses the majority of persons in scripture who made world-changing impact were not people whose roles and responsibilities were relegated to the church Joseph changed the trajectory of an entire generation he did not work in the church Joseph's gift worked in a jail, Daniel did not work in the church, Nehemiah did not work in the church, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego did not work in the church, but wherever they went they demonstrated salt and light impact to be the church and not just to have church, and I believe Jesus is talking to his church, a church that should make its home not in the confines of a beautiful building but in the brokenness Of the world outside it. It's not the church that has a mission of salvation to fulfill in the world but it is the mission of the Son and the Spirit through the Father that includes the church creating church along the way. We can have church in buildings but we can only be the church in the world. In in church we get to sing about God's greatness but in the world we get to demonstrate God's greatness. In the church we get to talk about God's love, but in the world we get to display God's love. In the church we get to verbally proclaim the gospel, but in the earth we get to visibly demonstrate the gospel of an ever-loving, ever-living, unchangeable, omnipotent, won't he do it God, that can change your life. Do I have any witnesses in the building to testify to a God that can change your life? Put your hands together and give the Lord some praise. But not only must we be called to preserve, but second, we've been called to present. Everybody say we've been called to present. The Bible says in verse 14, you are the light of the world a city that is set on a hill cannot be hidden jesus tells those who are gathered that not only are they the salt of the earth but they are also the light of the world like salt is to taste light is to sight and jesus formulates an even stronger object lesson with light salt that isn't Actually, salt will be thrown out because it's useless, but a light can be a great benefit to others to the point that they worship the God behind your good works. Light doesn't ask permission from the dark, but out of its intrinsic nature and ability, it just does. Jesus says you are the lights of the world. And I think it's important to highlight that Jesus is speaking here in the indicative mood. The indicative mood is the one mood in Greek that speaks to the fact of something. The indicative mood indicates a certainty. So Jesus is stating exactly what you are. You are light. He's not asking you to be light. He's not saying that you're developing into light. No, Jesus is speaking with an absolute certainty that you are light. Here in the text, Jesus now speaks of the demonstration of our witness. Your demonstration is going to create interest from people, and that interest becomes your opportunity to point them to the source yes. of your success. Yes. This suggests that not only light possesses are we, but we also ought to be light transmitters. Mm-hmm. And let me parenthetically pause here long enough to suggest that if there is not light coming out of you, that could mean that there is no light in you. No jesus proclaims that he is the light of the world and being made in his image where's your light is there a real relationship that you have with him or have you been functioning as a counterfeit christian Mm. is there a real relationship that you have with him or is it more of a situation relationships are mutually beneficial situations only benefit one party in the transaction what is it that you have going on with christ we're called to present ourselves to shine in order that light might guide the lost we're called to shine because the only sermon that somebody in our life might see is the life that you and i live we're called to shine to provide light in a dark and dismal world and they will know we are christians not by how epic our worship is not by how many scriptures you can quote, but they will know we are Christians by our love. Do you believe that this morning, this afternoon? Well, not only have we been called to present, but third and finally, we've been called to penetrate. Tell your neighbor we've been called to penetrate. The Bible says in verse 16, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. Here in the text, Jesus now speaks of the consequence of our witness. The intent of living holy isn't necessarily to win men over or to convince mankind as the Pharisees sought to do, but the point and the purpose of our good works of our behavior, of our standards and our standings is to lead people to the place where God and God alone is glorified. The Christian life should be an ocular demonstration, a visible representation of Christ. One must show your faith or witness in action as demonstration for all to see so that those seeing the witness can be brought to faith. And then praise God the good works that you do are really Christ working in you, with you, and through you. And since it's God working in us, with us, and through us, should it not be God that gets the glory? The good works with the right spirit have the power to penetrate the hearts and minds of people, leading them to see God in you, and then glorifying God for you. But in order for this to happen, we as Christians have to be the activity of God in the world. Faithfulness to this assignment of being salt and light is not just about being critics of culture But he's called us to be contributors to the transformation of it That in your own way emulating the miracles that Jesus performed by adding value to other people Helping them improve their condition and in you helping them improve their condition It then becomes a door for evangelism Realizing that there is some evangelism that only takes place after impact. Because Jesus healed some people before he saved them. And so, as our close, as our close, in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20, further down in this chapter, Jesus says that we will not enter the kingdom of heaven unless our righteousness is greater than the scribes and the Pharisees. And if we mistakenly isolate on this statement, we might think that Jesus is preaching a works righteousness. But what he is actually doing is completing the imagery of salt and light. Unless we be what we are, salt and light people in his kingdom, then we are not actually people in his kingdom. We are not called human doings, but we are called human beings. And there are future generations waiting for your impact, influence if you're going to be salt and light. So so my challenge this afternoon, my prayer this afternoon is that we would live and that we would speak and that we would love in such a penetrating way that God and God alone is glorified. We aren't called to save the world, but we are called to make a difference. We can't do everything, but we can do something And what we can do, we should do that, because that's what being salt and light is really all about. You are, so be. Come on, put your hands together.